turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Joining us as we get started at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this free-for-all Friday edition of the Bob France Authority. 9 minutes after, or excuse me, 7 minutes after the hour of 9, the ninth morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Let's get all of that straight. Appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us today. They're trying to steal elections. Once again, in Florida. My friends, I, you know, I, I understand how partisan I am. I understand how, um, how unforgiving um, I am when it comes to criticism of liberals, liberalism, and their um, incessant attempts to try to change uh, what has become the greatest country, the greatest nation, the greatest culture in the history of human civilization, and bend it to meet their needs, uh, how they're trying to destroy democracy, destroy capitalism, uh, destroy uh, liberty, and all of the things upon which this great country was founded. I understand I'm very, very harsh when I say this, or when I say these things. I am absolutely not going to apologize for it, nor am I going to back down from it, because this is who they are. Are and they need to be called out accordingly. The American left, the Democrat Party, believes not in fair elections. They believe not in actual democracy. They do not believe in our constitutional republic. They will lie, they will cheat, and they will steal to gain power no matter what the cost. We are seeing it play out in Florida and in Arizona. And I realize we're in Ohio, and you might be saying, Bob, talk about Cleveland things. I'll get there, because I have a couple of Cleveland stories that I absolutely am going to cover today. Uh, a couple of that are very upsetting, to be quite frank. And we're going to take some people to task. But I am going to start on these stories in Florida and Arizona, because they affect all of us. Lying, cheating, and stealing, it cannot be tolerated. You know, when... We lost, when I say we, I'm talking about conservative-minded individuals who tend to vote Republican. When we, in that group, lost the House of Representatives on Tuesday, guess what? It was upsetting. It bothers us. It bothers me. I'm greatly concerned with the fact that committees are going to be led by the likes of Looney Maxine Waters, despicable um, uh, Adam Schiff, uh, reprehensible Jerry Nadler, that Maxine, or excuse me, that Nancy Pelosi is going to have the gavel again as speaker. I, those things bother me a great deal. I think those are very bad for our country. But and I know there are millions of other conservatives just like me who feel the same way. You know what we didn't do when we lost the House on Tuesday? We didn't smash things. We didn't go outside people's houses and chant. We didn't scream into the air. We didn't start marches. We didn't start screaming about, uh, you know, uh, the unfairness of it all. We just said, well, we lost these. We have to do better next time. It's the same thing we did in 2010. It's the same thing we did in, by that I mean, after we saw we lost, uh, you know, the presidential election in 2008, we said we have to do better next time, and we did it in 2010. We, we, in other words, we acted like adults. We acted like grown-ups. 
We said our message didn't get out to the right people in the right places, so therefore we have to do better next time. When the left loses an election, or in this case, some elections, having to do with the Republican majority in the Senate, they don't just say, well, we have to do better next time. They cheat. They cheat. They flat out try to rob elections, thereby robbing the American people of their rights to free and fair elections. There is no other explanation as to how and why in Broward County, Florida, the home of corruption when it comes to the electoral process, given the history of that county, how can they still have the same corrupt and incompetent? And by the way, that's a hard double to pull off. A lot of these people are corrupt, but they know what they're doing. A lot of them are incompetent, but they're trying their best. Barbara Snip- or Brenda Snipes manages to pull off the double. She's incompetent and she's corrupt at the same time. She is the Board of Elections supervisor in Broward County, Florida, who is trying to pull off another um, miracle, robbing and, and stealing votes from Republicans and adding votes to Democrat totals, all because she feels like she can. This is incomprehensible. It is indefensible, and yet it is going on. And I'm going to tell you something else. Marco Rubio might have his flaws. Marco Rubio was not a perfect presidential candidate. But Marco Rubio is a pretty principled guy, and he is always willing to go to bat for the right cause. And when he gets there, he continues to to swing away at it. He is all over this in his home state of Florida. He was on Tucker Carlson last night. Tucker was not on. Brian Kilmeade was. And I don't know if Tucker's, quote, planned vacation was legitimate or if he was just off the air because of the uh, attacks on his house. We'll get to that story later on, too. But Brian Kilmeade sat in for Tucker last night, and he talked with Senator Marco Rubio, who is laying all of this out. And look, we have procedures in the law for close elections and recounts. I have no problem with any of that. I have no problem with anyone availing themselves of what the law allows them to do. Here's my problem. My problem is this is focused on two counties, and in particular one county. So let me use an example. Bay County, Florida, where Panama City is, was hit by a Category 4 hurricane about four weeks to the day of this election. They were without power. You guys covered all this. They did all their ballots at a 52% return rate, you know, a 52% turnout despite the hurricane. They did all their ballots, submitted them on time. They were done uh, basically on election night early the following morning, very early. Broward County, 48 hours later, is still counting. And they didn't have a Category 4 hurricane. And it's not the first time that they do this, problem number one. Problem number two is... We don't know how many votes they have, and neither do they. Either they don't know or they won't tell anybody how many ballots are left to count, um, you know, and so forth. And so it's concerning when you go to sleep at 3 a.m. on Wednesday morning after the election, and, for example, Rick Scott is up by 60,000 votes, 54,000 votes, whatever it was. Today is 17,000, and the only counties that are still reporting are Palm Beach and, and, and uh, Broward, right. uh, who, who have a history, by the way, on these things. You know, A history of corruption a history of cheating, a history of scandal. And he's right. Rick Scott goes from being up 60,000 to, hey, we found a whole bunch of other votes that weren't counted yet. Oh, okay, well, let's count those. All of them 
All of them are for Nelson. All of them just have, we just found 40,000 votes over here for the Democrat. Look at that. The lead went from 60,000 to, to 17,000. That's just the way that it goes. But uh, uh, just sit by, stand by, and we'll see if we find more that have been counted. This is unbelievable. I want to, that was just a thumbnail sketch version of what, um, uh, Senator Marco Rubio uh, had to say. He did some incredible work on Twitter explaining all of this corruption, all of it. Uh, and I'm going to share most of this with you because it is worth the listen, or in this case for me, the read, as I share with you Marco Rubio yesterday going on a six-tweet tirade to uh, rail against what is being done here, which is the stealing of an election. Make no mistake about it. Ronna McDaniel retweeted it, by the way, all of Marco Rubio's stuff. Ronna McDaniel, the uh, chair of the GOP. She said, what's happening in Florida is unacceptable. The Broward election supervisor has been pulling stunts like this for years, and we're not going to let her get away with it. How do they continue to let her be in power? How does Broward County justify uh, Brenda Snipes still being in power of the Board of Elections down there in Broward County, Florida? Anyway, Ronna tw- uh, retweets uh, Marco Rubio, and I'm going to read these to you. Long but important, writes Rubio. Threat on elections in Florida. Bay County was hit by a Cat 4 hurricane just four weeks ago, yet managed to count votes and submit timely results. Yet over 41 hours after polls closed, Broward Elections Office is still counting votes? Tweet 2. Broward Supervisor says she doesn't know how many ballots are left to be counted and isn't reporting hourly or regularly, but rather releasing thousands of additional votes, often in the overnight hours that are chipping away at GOP leads. Tweet number three, hashtag Broward Elections Department has a history of violating the law. A court found that they improperly handled votes by mail. And then there's a link to that. Court found that they destroyed ballots. i got to say that again for the sake of clarity. The court found that they destroyed ballots in 2016 in violation of state and federal law. And then there's a link to Politico to back that up. Rubio is not just, you know, popping off here. He is sourcing all of his comments. Tweet four. New Democrat law, excuse me, now rather. Now Democrat lawyers are descending on Florida. They have been very clear. They aren't here to make sure every vote is counted. They are here to change the results of the election. And Broward is where they plan to do it. Tweet five. A U.S. Senate seat and statewide cabinet officer are now potentially in the hands of an elections supervisor with a history of incompetence and blatant violations of state and federal laws. And then again, he provides a sourced link to that, to the Miami Herald. I'll get to some of that in a bit. Remember what I said about pulling off the double, somehow Brenda Snipes manages it? That's exactly what Rubio says. Not only is she incompetent, her history shows, but blatant violations of state and federal law. Shows she's corrupt, too. It's pretty doggone tough to do, but she does it. And finally, tweet six from Marco Rubio. Broward election supervisors' ongoing violation of Florida law requiring timely reporting isn't just annoying incompetence. It has opened the door for lawyers to come here to try to steal a seat in the United States Senate and in the Florida cabinet. Marco Rubio is 100% correct. He followed that series of one through six with it just uh, uh, later on. It wasn't part of his six-tweet series, but he followed that up by saying uh, that Florida law requires counties to report early voting and vote by mail within 30 minutes after polls close. 
43 hours after polls closed, two Democrat strongholds, Broward and Palm Beach counties, are still counting and refusing to disclose how many ballots they have left to count. And the reason for that, by the way, I think should be fairly obvious. They won't report how many they have to count because that number is infinite. They will keep counting until they get enough to say we win. And then they'll say, okay, we're done now. We found them all. Look, my friends, I know we don't live in Florida. And I'll get to Arizona next segment. I know we don't live in either one of those states. But do you realize that our very system of government, of selecting government, our electoral system is under attack by one of the two major parties? This isn't an attack by Russia on our electoral system and our voting. This isn't a hack by China or by North Korea. Our integrity of the vote by way of voter fraud and by way of incor- or by, uh, by the way of incompetent and corrupt ballot counting is under attack by the Democrat Party in the United States. This is not foreign. This is domestic. And it's happening right before our very eyes. And it absolutely cannot be allowed to stand. I am calling on, on, on our, our Ohio members of Congress, calling on Ohio senators, um, uh, both of them, Portman and Brown. I was going to say Senator Brown, uh, Portman, but, but Brown, if you have even a shred of dignity, and I know who you are, so this is a, I'm, I'm tilting at windmills here. This is falling on deaf ears. But if you have a shred of dignity, you would stand up and join the call for the a full and accurate law enforcement investigation of what is going on at the Broward County Board of Elections and in the Palm Beach Board of Elections. You would call for an absolute law enforcement, FBI investigation into what is going on down there. Because the, the literally the integrity of our elections is at stake. And if it affects Florida today and Arizona today, then who knows, maybe it will affect Ohio tomorrow. This should matter to you. I'll take your calls at 216-901-0945 and at 888-281-1110 if you want to get in now. I have one guest scheduled today. David Ray of the Federation for American Immigration Reforms will join us at about 948 to talk about two things. Number one, the court's ruling, the Ninth Circle of Hell's ruling, that uh, President Trump cannot rescind DACA. And number two, the Trump administration's new ruling that anybody seeking asylum in the United States without going to a port of entry will be denied immediately. That is going to be challenged as well. So David Ray will join us to talk about that. Beside from, aside from that, rather, your phone calls. Well, that's all I want today. 216-901-0945. Hit me up now on AM 1420 The Answer. Nine twenty six now. The Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I'm uh, I'm I'm just sitting here, you know, pulling on my hair um, at 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 the, all of the news. The the fact that the American left continues to deny that voter fraud is rampant and a major problem with respect to the integrity of our electoral process is simply infuriating. It would be something that you'd laugh at them for if it weren't so serious. We don't need voter ID. You're just trying to suppress black votes. You're trying to suppress minority votes. 
There's no such thing as voter fraud. Do you understand how many different ways there are for people to cast illegal ballots? Do you realize how many different ways there are for the vote counters in these heavily Democratic districts to cheat and destroy ballots and then find extra buckets or barrels or bins of of Democrat ballots after the fact? Voter fraud is rampant in this country. And it is not two-sided. It is not two-sided. It is coming from one side, the side that refuses to allow voter ID laws to be passed, the Democrat side. As an example, this governmental reject, Brenda Snipes, the Broward County Board of Elections supervisor we're talking about, who's in charge of vote counting in the area, has most recently, in addition to all of the problems they've had with the counting, and again, I'll call part of it incompetence and part of it corruption, also has flat out refused to remove dead voters from the voter rolls, which is standard operating procedure. She won't do it. Why? You know exactly why. Keeping their names on the voter rolls allows people to vote twice. It allows people who don't mind running the risk, since they don't have to show voter ID to go in and vote at one location under their name and then go and vote under their dead relative's name at another location, or even provisionally, because they're not removing their names from the rolls. So as they count the votes, they go as you know, assumed uh, to be living voters who have cast ballots. But we don't, and, and of course they'll get away with it because they don't have to show ID with the two different names on them. There are so many ways to commit election fraud and voter fraud in this country, and the left is availing themselves of all of them. And they continue to insist we don't need voter ID laws. This is unacceptable. It is, it is inexcusable. It is unimaginable. And I'm looking for other words to describe it. But this is what is going on right now. This is a pattern of, at minimum, incompetence, the GOP says. Voters deserve better. This is not even a partisan thing. This is a county that apparently cannot even count votes, as well as a county that just got wiped out by a hurricane. And Marco Rubio said that, too. And Marco Rubio is right, too. And so is the GOP, and so is everybody who is calling this out. And again, I haven't even gotten to Arizona yet, where literally a day ago, Martha McSally had a one-point win, by a few t- tens of thousands of votes over uh, cinema, and suddenly, hey, hold on, we found a whole bunch more votes that we hadn't counted yet. And look at that. All of them are from uh, for cinema. Oh, what a coincidence. And now she's leading by 9,000 uh, 9, votes with 99% of the, uh, of the uh, uh, votes apparently having been counted. They are stealing Senate seats in Florida and Arizona, and we in Ohio cannot stand for it. We must must contact our elected officials and demand uh, that that law enforcement investigate all of these uh, this chicanery and this deception and this duplicity by the the uh, leftist vote counters in those states. All right, I got a lot more to say, but I know I've got a lot uh, a lot to listen to as well because I see you there. I'll come to your phone calls next, right after this on AM fourteen twenty.
935 now. The Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Trying to make some sense of what is happening to our democracy. And when I say our democracy, I mean our system of voting. Obviously, we are a constitutional republic, not a true democracy. But we do practice democratic principles when it comes to voting. And uh, those principles are under attack. We are losing our elections. Uh, we're losing our electoral process. And it's all because of rampant fraud. Great tweet, by the way, uh, that I got just a few minutes ago uh, from, who was this? This was T.D., TD tw- uh, tweeted to me and said, bank robbers oppose bank vaults. Car thieves oppose car alarms. Democrats oppose voter ID. Stated perfectly. All three groups of individuals hate the things that help prevent them from doing what they want to do. Bank robbers oppose bank vaults. Car thieves oppose car alarms. Those things make it harder for them to steal. Democrats oppose voter ID. It is exactly correct. This is not a two-way street. I'm getting a little bit tired, by the way, of the left trying to pretend that, well, this stuff goes on both sides. No. No, it does not. Especially when it comes to matters of voter fraud. It does not happen on both sides. That's why Republicans from one end of this great country to the other want voter identification to limit the amount of voter fraud. You want to know why? We will accept the results of the elections. We will accept the will of the people. We got our butts kicked when we ran McCain in 2008. We accepted it and said, we got to do better. And we did better. By limiting the uh, impact of Barack Obama by voting uh, Republican majority in the uh, House of Representatives in 2010, and then following that with a Republican majority in 20 uh, or in the, in the Senate rather, and then we made another mistake and ran Romney, and, that, and we had to pay for that too. But we don't cheat to try to change the results. We also lost the uh, the House of Representatives on Tuesday. We're not the ones trying to stop voter votes from being counted we're not the ones who are trying to find more votes to add to our totals uh, 48 hours after the fact after the election ended we're not the ones who oppose voter identification to make sure that every american has one vote and one vote only and that those americans are legally able to vote and that they are uh not, that they're alive and i sound silly but you know what i mean we are the ones who believe in the integrity of the voting process. And the idea that there is a le- an American left right now screaming and chanting and raving and ranting that somehow it's the president and the Republican Party that is trying to steal the electoral process by colluding with Russia to impact the elections, to meddle in the elections. The idea that they are passing judgment on anyone for trying to somehow interfere with the integrity of the elect of the elections in our country is simply it, well like I said earlier it would be laughable if it wasn't so infuriating this is not a two-way street I, I here's another example of that by the way that I just get really really tired of Jim Acosta Jim Acosta uh, he of the karate chop to the arm of the uh, White House intern who has had his press credentials suspended. I posted a wonderful essay written by Michael Goodwin in the Washington, I'm sorry, the New York Post. An essay that really, really, an op-ed, that really, really identifies Jim Acosta for who he is and what he is, right? 
And I posted it uh, with this commentary. There's a place in hell for people like Jim Acosta. I don't wish him a speedy relocation to that destination because that would be cruel. But I take comfort in knowing it exists. That's how I feel about Jim Acosta. And one of my uh, uh, Facebook friends uh, at France Radio following me said, they're both, Acosta and Trump, acting like petulant children. They need to grow the blank up to, uh, to start the healing, start healing the divide. It's a two-way street. No! It is not a two-way street. Read the article, particularly the part, if you haven't read it, it's on my Facebook, and I tweeted it too, particularly the part about the press corps and how they treated President Obama. Nobody ever would have cut him off and, and, and refused to yield the microphone and demanded more answers to questions as he, didn't wa- as he uh, tried to move on from one to another. Nobody ever in the press corps would have treated him that way. It never would have been tolerated. Trump was not the aggressor. It is a one-way street. And I'm tired of this moral relativism, saying, well, the other side does it too. No, they're not. The other side isn't trying to cheat the election system. The other side isn't trying to uh, destroy a president uh, openly and wantonly at press, uh, press uh, gaggles and other things. This is, a, this is not a two-way street. It's a one-way street. And we must fight back. All right, Dan in Middleburg Heights. Sorry about the delay, Dan. You're on the air. Go ahead. That's okay. I just wanted to comment this morning. I talked to you on Wednesday, and uh, I was alluding that something was going on in Ohio with uh, Sherrod Brown. And in light of Florida and Arizona, uh, like, for instance, the, the governor against DeSantis in Florida, how can you be stung for bribery by the FBI, and you got four out of eight million people voting for this guy? How does this happen? That's a great <laughs> but, question. But getting back to Ohio, I don't care how much money. They shouldn't have money being donated to senators from people in California and Oregon and the planet Venus. You know what I'm saying? Well, look what happened in Texas. Look what happened in Texas. Red as red can be Texas nearly voted Ted Cruz out of office because of the $70 million that Beto O'Rourke made uh, in his campaign or raised in his campaign, the vast majority of which came from what you just said, from California. California liberals tried to buy a Texas Senate seat for a liberal. It's got to change. If you study the founders... They say, call it what you will, but donations are a bribe, whether it's direct or indirect, that Jefferson and these people never tolerated. And that's why I keep trying to tell you and your audience that the original construction of the country was as governors and senators were appointed by legislatures, then you didn't have this uh, this uh, what's going on in the voting? Well, I'll that's tell you what I don't. It in their wisdom, I know it's never going to change. I'm I know. Just telling you that's the remedy. I, I know you're right. I think it would be Dan. I do. I think it would be the remedy, and it would be the remedy for. Well, you would still have you would still have you know millions of dollars in advertising being bought though to influence but, the legislatures to try to get them to choose who they want. So you yeah, would still have the le- that. The legislatures are closest to the people, me and you, where you have control over them. So if something goes wrong, you get rid of those people locally, directly. Well, I know Ohio. that, but, that but, but that's my point. That's my point. The ads, we would still be, there, there would still be, it would just be a little less direct, but there would still be an extraordinary money, a monetary influence on that because, well, hold on, Dan, because 
uh, the, it's the people, the voters of those legislators, those state representatives and senators who would be seeing these ads and then saying, hey, Representative X uh, in, in my Ohio district, you better vote for, you know, you better choose this guy uh, as our senator, this guy as our federal representative, et cetera, or else I'm voting you out because of what I saw in these ads. So well, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be point A to point B. There would be stops in between. But nonetheless, the money would still impact the voters in the state who then vote for for the state representatives who then choose our federal representatives. But, but they weren't running for office then. That, I'm trying to tell you, I don't care what the Supreme Court says, free speech, donating to people, that's the bribes, direct or indirect. That's not free speech, so you eliminate that. That's what I'm trying to say. All that's right, the I, way it originally was. All right, I, Dan, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know why you're arguing with me over this. I'm agreeing with your, your main point here, but if you don't think that the money is still going to be spent on influencing who the legislators pick, then I, you're just, you can't see the forest for the trees. The money is still going to be influencing, and it's not going to be considered a bribe. That would never change. Even if we go to the uh, state legislatures picking our representatives and our senators, it, it's still, the money is still going to have an impact on that. There's just no two ways about it, uh, unfortunately. Uh, let me go to TJ in Cleveland real quick. TJ, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, all these things in the news, they're so upsetting. But, you know, the one that stands out to me the most was this attack on Tucker Carlson's home. Yeah. Now, according to the news, they tried to break down his front door while his wife was home alone. I don't know. I don't know if that's being reported entirely accurately. Tucker was on last night his own show. He was uh, calling in for, uh, to kill me because he was not on live himself. He didn't say breaking it down. They were pounding on the door, and maybe it sounded like on the inside like they're trying to break it down. But I, I don't well, think that might be a little overstated. But they were pounding on the door and like trying an, to intimidate. When you got a mob pounding on your front door, wouldn't you kind of look at that as an attempt, attempt at home invasion? Absolutely. <clears throat> You know the only advice I have. And if his wife would, if his wife would have fired through the door, and and killed them, you know what? I think she would have been justified in Castle Doctrine under the Castle Doctrine. They were trying to invade her house. She doesn't have to. You know, if she felt that, she doesn't have to wait for them to get inside and harm her before she fights back. So, uh, yes, I'm with you. Yeah, and that's the point I want to make, Bob. I don't know where he lives, Uh, but if he lived in Ohio, that would be the case. Now, well, he, he lives, lives in, in D.C. He lives in D.C. No, he lives in well, D.C. So I, I don't no know cap. what the laws are. Yeah, I don't know there's what the no law says there either. Right, but but, no but you know what? You still have the right, whether it's a castle doctrine or not, you still have the right to defend yourself against an attacker. And if somebody is pounding on your door trying to attack you, you don't have to wait for them to get in uh, to me before you get to defend yourself. The, the laws of self-defense would still apply there. i got to get out here because I'm going to talk to uh, David Ray on the other side. Stay where you are, though. Your call's right after that on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 950, now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, we're a little late getting to him, so let's dive right in. David Ray, our friend from the Federation for American Immigration Reform, joining us this Friday morning on AM 1420. The answer, David, good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. How you doing, my friend? Uh, I've been better. I've been better. I can tell you that. I am disgusted by the fact that they're literally stealing elections in Florida and in Arizona. They can't win right. on the merits for their Senate candidates, and they are stealing elections. They are attacking uh, journalists' homes, talk show hosts' homes, uh, and uh, and justifying it as saying it's good to make Tucker Carlson's family afraid because uh, that's how uh, immigrants in this country feel. They're afraid. Uh, I, I'm I'm really messed up about the way this country is right now. And now I got two things. 
things to hit you with, David Ray, uh, right. uh, regarding regarding immigration. Two big problems. This one, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, otherwise known as the Ninth Circle of Hell, has decided <laughs> that the DACA, which the DACA program, which Obama put into place unconstitutionally, was right. which was named deferred action. That means we're going to push this action off on them until later. It doesn't right. mean never has essentially become PACA. It is permanent action for childhood arrivals. They can't be touched, says the Ninth Circle of Hell, saying that President Trump uh, was capricious and arbitrary in his decision to end the DACA program. I'm, Man, I'm at a loss as to where our country is, Dave. Well, uh, I, I can't make everything good for you, but I can make this one uh, issue with DACA make you feel a little bit better. You know, Lay it Bob, on me. Was- Doc was never more than a, never anything more than an executive policy, an illegal executive policy that was pushed forth by the Obama administration. Uh, Obama had been lobbied heavily to try to get an amnesty for the millions and millions of illegal aliens in the country, and he said on you know more than twenty two separate occasions, "I can't do that. I'm a president, not a king." And then he rolled out DACA, which was basically acting like a king. This was an illegal action by the executive branch. It far exceeds the powers of the executive branch, which is why FAIR has opposed it from its inception. With that said, it's, it's further ridiculous that, a, that the new administration, the Trump administration, couldn't roll back an illegal executive policy that was put forth by the previous administration. Now it has been uh, upheld by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. The good news is is that it is on its way now to the Supreme Court. A similar program to DACA was called DAPA, and that is Deferred Action for Parents of uh, Americans. Or in other words, these were illegal alien parents who had given birth to anchor babies. This would have allowed several million illegal alien adults to remain in the country as well. That wound its way through the courts, uh, was repeatedly struck down uh, by the Texas courts, ended up at the Supreme Court, where they came, this was uh, before the ninth seat was filled, they came to a, to a four-to-four decision on it, which meant that it was struck down, the lower court's decision stood. We believe the, there's a very good chance the Supreme Court will strike down DACA. This far exceeds the ability of any president, Trump, Obama, what have you, uh, uh, you know, uh, a president can take an action uh, to address the case of a sole person. Here's an, here's an illegal alien who has a story. I want to do something about it. They can't do it to an entire class of individuals. This was the DACA extends to nearly 2 million illegal aliens. Only Congress can do that, and we're confident the Supreme Court's going to agree with us and strike DACA down. And then the Democrats are going to be forced to get off their hands if they want something like a you know some DACA amnesty, they're going to have to start closing some asylum loopholes and uh, putting some uh, some money towards the wall on the border. I mean, this is going to get this will eventually propel the Democrats into action. Yeah, what, what what frustrates me though is that you know the pace uh, through which these uh, things move uh, to the to the Supreme Court um, because you know it's been years obviously since DACA was implemented. A lot of these teens who were teens at the time are in their twenties now, and even some of them right. are are older than that, which means they're yeah. having their own children, second generation DACA protected by way of birth right. b- birthright citizenship, which is another thing, of course, we've talked about. But um, the longer this takes, the more uh, uh, um, you know this problem is exacerbated, and then. 
the other part of this, David, that I wanted to get your thoughts on from the Federation for American Immigration Reform is this caravan. Now, the president is, uh, they kind of uh, announced yesterday that the president would be signing an order today declaring right. that anybody in this caravan or anywhere else at any other time who crosses the border at an illegal location, meaning right. violating our, our sovereignty, will not be allowed to declare amnesty. Uh, that amnesty will not be will be considered to be uh, uh, without merit if you make that claim. If you make the claim at the port of entry, then they're still going to we're still stuck in a in a bind here because of the way our amnesty laws are currently written. You know, all they right. have to do is make you know say the right magic words, and then of course they get the catch and release situation. But yeah. uh, that's my problem. Number one is it doesn't change that, and number two. This is similar in language, I understand, to the travel restriction that was in pla- that was uh, placed, uh, and of course, immediately challenged. They go judge shopping. They find a liberal uh, activist judge to say, "Yeah, you can't do that." And here we are again. While it works its right. way to the Supreme Court, they're just going to keep flooding the border. Right. So you know, the jet fuel behind the catch and release program, which has resulted in now there being one million immigration cases in the backlog, is the idea that people who are trying to ad- to enter the country illegally, if they're caught by the Border Patrol, they ask for political asylum. And as soon as they say fear of persecution, uh, which is something they were coached to say before they even got here, and they've destroyed their papers, so we have no idea really where these folks are coming from, then they join the million-case backlog, are released within 20 days if they have children into the interior of the United States, and most of them are never seen again. Uh, if they do appear for their immigration cases, which are two to three years down the the, uh, the pipeline, then you know roughly 10% of them actually get political asylum. So what the president was trying to do, this caravan is coming up here. They are uh, you know defying uh, the sovereignty of the United States, thumbing their nose at the rule of law. Uh, which is one of the which is which is ironic because people come to America because it actually respects the rule of law. But here's a group that's coming here, thumbing its nose at the rule of law. Uh, President Trump has signed is supposed to sign today this proclamation that says if you want uh, to ask for political asylum, you have to enter through a legal port of entry. So what this is going to do, in essence, is that people who were planning on illegally entering the United States over what some part of the of the 2,000-mile southern border, if they were caught, their backup plan was to ask for political asylum. That was, you know, either way, I'm going to get in the United States. I'm either going to sneak in, or if I'm caught, then I'm going to ask for political asylum, then they're going to have to let me in. This kind of uh, gums that up, and it forces them to come through a legal port of entry, and then the, the uh, uh, Agents there at the legal ports of entry along the southern and northern border will decide how many they're going to allow in each day, depending on how much space they have in detention facilities. The president, uh, some people think he had a lot more authority, like like banning entire uh, groups of people from certain countries, like Central American countries, from coming. He could have gone much further in this. Maybe they will. This hasn't been signed yet. But at least the president is trying to do something to get a handle on this catch-and-release program. Unfortunately, ultimately, Congress needs to do this. And the Democrats are sitting on their hands because illegal immigration fuels uh, growing numbers of Democrats 
at the polls. Yeah, it, it, it certainly does. So let me ask you this. In the, we only have a minute left here. David Ray of the Federation for American Immigration Reform. The 15,000 troops that the president's going to send down there, some are calling it a political stunt. Um, maybe they're right. They can't do anything now, as I understand it, because even if they were to cross illegally, if this proclamation goes through, uh, you know they're they're going to have their asylum claim denied, and they're going to have to go to the, the 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 original port anyway. It's going to be a big bottleneck there. But what's the purpose of the troops? Will they do any good? Well, the purpose of the troops is that a lot of the troops there are actually building things on the border. So Congress hasn't given the president money to, to build his wall, but but our troops are building deterrent structures on our borders to keep us safe. That's what American troops should be doing, is keeping Americans safe. So this is an example of that. They can't replace the Border Patrol. They cannot, uh, because of posse comitatus, they cannot uh, take the role of a police officer or a Border Patrol agent, but they can uh, stay there in a support capacity to make sure that all the Border Patrol agents are on duty, on guard, and doing what they can to stop entry, uh, illegal entry of aliens into the country. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, we got a lot of roads to cross, and well, not borders, hopefully. we got a lot yeah. of roads to cross, <laughs> right? It, it, it really is. It's a long road, now, not just from Central America to the United States, but through our judicial system to get this thing to the Supreme Court, where hopefully, hopefully, all of the great work that has been done uh, by our Senate and by the President to fill the court with constitutionalists, not conservatives, right. not not radical ideologues, not, uh, you know, uh, 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 activists, but simple constitutional originalists, because they will then enforce the law as it's supposed to be and we can reclaim our sovereignty david ray thank you very much great stuff from the federation for american immigration reform always good to chat with you my friend and you as well thank you it's news time now more of your calls we are guest free in hour two so truly a free for all friday hit me up now at 216-901-0945 back after 